Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Trish Holliday, Vice President of Human Resources and Corporate Services at Nashville Electric Service. Trish is an educator, international keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, strategic planner, leadership executive coach, and above all else, she's a dynamic HR leader who is truly passionate about learning. She's a founding partner of the HR consulting company, Holiday Kenning, and brings extensive experience from the human resources industry with a special focus on strategy and leadership development. As one of Trish's many achievements during her career journey, she was the state of Tennessee's chief learning officer and was recognized by Governing Magazine as being instrumental in the successful transformation of the state workforce. She has been featured on the cover of Chief Learning Officers Magazine and was named one of the 2019 Women of Influence by the Nashville Business Journal, and her list of awards include the HR Excellence Award by Tennessee Sturm, the Learning Leader of the Year Award by Corporate Learning Network, and she was the recipient of the Warner W. Stockberger Achievement Award, recognizing her lifetime of outstanding contributions toward the improvement of public human resource management by IPMA HR. And if that wasn't impressive enough, Trish joined the team at Nashville Electric Service in 2021 and serves as their Vice President of Human Resources and Corporate Services. Now, Trish has been kind enough to join us today here on the HR Works Podcast just shortly after participating in our town hall panel that helped us kick off HR Learning and Development Week on HR Daily Advisor. And I'm excited to get her back on here to help us take a closer look at a challenge facing many workforces as they look to advance their employees, growing them from individual contributors to managers and people leaders. But are these new managers being properly prepared? And what are the biggest skill gaps and how can HR help? So without further ado, let's get Dr. Trish Holiday introduced. Trish, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for coming on. I am so honored to be here. Uh, thank you so much, Josh. And that intro, you just need to go with me everywhere I go so that you can give my intro. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. You're down in Nashville, so I couldn't think of a better place to travel and do that for you. But what? look, it's a pleasure to have you on again. Thank you for helping us get kicked off with HR Learning and Development Week on HR Daily Advisor. And now having you back for the podcast, I'm really excited to dig in here and get you introduced to our audience here of podcast listeners. I love that. All right. Well, Trish, how we start all of our episodes, especially with new guests, is getting you introduced to our audience and asking that question of why HR? What was that initial spark that really led you to pursuing a career in human resources? I'm so glad you asked that question because it's one of my favorite stories to tell. And it's, it's such an interesting pathway in human resources. When I graduated from divinity school, I went straight into full-time ministry and I spent 16 years in the mission field and there I met the love of my life and had um, just an amazing time of service and serving people in impoverished areas in Appalachia. Well, what I learned during that experience is my passion for leading people, uh, for helping people become the best versions of themselves possible. And I got an opportunity to join state Tennessee state government and really hone in on the skills on workforce development, leadership, and management. I worked for two governors for the state of Tennessee. And during that time, the uh, final governor that I worked for, uh, Bill Haslam, appointed me chief learning officer for the state. And it was an incredible experience to be 
the first chief learning officer for a state government in the country. What it did was it really gave me uh, the open door to meet people around the country, to work with different folks and build a network that has just been amazing to, uh, to create and, and get to know all different types of people. Well, that love for people that I have uh, really sparked me to say, you know, human resources is where I need to be. Coming from ministry where it was all about serving others, I could still carry that core value inside me through human resources because I have a passion for diversity. I have a passion for inclusiveness, bringing people together. I do feel like it was God's preparation ground to get me into what ultimately has been my career now for uh, my profession in human resources. And so I, I'm just, I feel like I'm in the right place because it's all about relationships for me. You've got a passion for people and it, it comes through so strongly just as you're sharing that. I mean, I love that. There's that central theme from starting in ministry to being a chief learning officer for the state of Tennessee to where you are now with Nashville Electric Service as the vice president of human resources. It's that passion for people is the, the central theme all the way through there, Trish. That's fantastic. Thank you. I love it. All right. So as I mentioned at the top, we're looking at these challenges that face so many workforces as we're focused on advancement, especially having this conversation during Learning and Development Week. One of the most interesting gaps that I've seen is that jump from individual contributor to new managers. It can be very challenging for a lot of team members, for a lot of employees that are great performers, but how do you make that leap? So what are some of those biggest challenges facing new managers as they, cha as they transition their roles from being individual contributors to management and leadership roles? Yeah, I, I really appreciate this question and I'm gonna start at the very beginning. So when we've got people who are individual contributors interested in managerial positions, one of the things I think companies have to pay attention to is developing those individual contributors early. Because I think there is a, a different skill set when we're talking about leading people than someone's technical expertise. Sometimes I see uh, companies um, promoting technical experts into managerial positions, and we haven't checked to even see if they like leading people. Sometimes we've got people leading people who really don't even like people. And so right. how do we avoid that? We gotta make sure that we are developing our individual contributors who are interested in a career path of leading people with the right skills. And I want to talk about those right skills a little bit later. And this is the toughest transition is coming from an individual contributor when you're focused on your work, when you are focused on getting your job done, getting the results that you want to produce, uh, you're seeing how you're contributing to your team, to your business section, whatever that might be. And now you're in a managerial position and it's all about other people and not about you anymore. And if you, if we don't take the time to prepare people for that mindset shift, that's where a lot of tension comes. Because now you're in charge of not just people's time, but you're in charge of, pe of the performance management of those folks. 
you have to give feedback. You have to give hard feedback. You have to have difficult conversations that none of us ever want to wake up and say, pick me, pick me. I want to do that today. So we've got to make sure on the front end, people know what they're getting into. And then when they're a new manager, one of the things that we're doing at National Electric Service is we're calling it an Emerging Leaders Institute because these are folks that are not in managerial positions yet, but they're going through this Emerging Leaders Institute to prepare for the opportunity to compete for those positions. And so now we're talking about the skills that managers need uh, to be effective. And what else is really neat about that one, Josh, is that uh, our emerging leaders are getting an executive coach to help them clarify what their style is, their career paths forward, what their goals are, so that if you as an individual contributor have clarity on where you want to go and what you want to do, you'll be much more effective than just ending up in that spot by happenstance. I love that. There's so much that I really enjoy about what you just gave me there, Trish. The idea that you're really making it almost an individualized program as well with mentors is great. I mean, leadership doesn't have one blueprint. Different leaders will have different approaches, but there are certain philosophies, certain skills that ring true and really guiding those future leaders to find their path is brilliant. You know, and what makes me excited about it, because there is not a recipe for leadership or management, right? There's not a one size fits all. People really have to struggle early uh, to define who they want to be as a leader. So many times I have seen in my own executive coaching career, I am dealing with senior level leaders who still haven't figured out who they want to be, right? Who, right? who who they feel called to be, how best can they serve? You know, all those clarifying uh, questions. And when they're answered that late, what typically happens is, they have had some bad experiences. And so now they're trying to get on the right path. How powerful is it if companies would recognize, let's make sure we're developing our emerging leaders early so that when they do get in those leadership positions, they're better prepared. Right. You do away with imposter syndrome. You do away with uh, with the identity crisis that I think you're so right that that many leaders maybe struggle with and trying to figure out what is my leadership style while you're already leading. Right. Uh, when you can set your leaders up ahead of time, you're only going to prepare for a better process. So Trish, I love that you touched on the skills and I wanted to start really there looking at the skills gap that exists often from that jump from individual contributor to management. Are there skills that are immediate? What are the ones that are the must-haves that we got to get right away? Well, and one, one, we can't forget this one either. If you are a team member and then you get promoted to be over that same team, that's also a whole nother piece because now you've moved from peer or colleague to now you're, you're overseeing that group that were your peers. So that's also a, a really a unique piece People need to be prepared to do that as well, right? So yes, there are certain skills I think early on uh, people need to have mastered as they start out. And one of those is to recognize the importance of what's been done before. And let me, let me put that in context. 
a new manager that comes in and disses the previous manager and the previous work that's been done does nothing but upset and frustrate that team that's been doing that work. So early acknowledgement that uh, I appreciate the manager that was here before and the work that you all have done. It looks like you've done some good work. I would like to work with you now on the vision ahead. And what I think is really important is learning how to posture yourself early not as a bull in a china shop, but someone who's coming in to respect the work that's been done and then inviting people to join you in the future, like and how we're going to move forward. So nobody feels disrespected in that. Right. Think of that environment you're creating. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's one I think is really important. The other one I think is really important for an early manager to figure out and master is this idea of approachability. Uh, if people feel like you care about them and you want to connect with them, they're more open to receiving your feedback. You know, a lot of times we say connection before correction. Like nobody really wants to hear things they're doing wrong from someone who they don't even think cares about them. So this idea of early interpersonal skill development is critical. Knowing how to relate to people, having some um, what I call hip pocket questions to draw people into conversation, that's really important because as a new manager, you wanna start out conversational, not dictatorial. So I teach a lot of workshops on humble leadership because humble leadership to me is, is the framework, the mindset, whatever you want to call it, to being successful. Because it means now it's not about you. Right. All of us have worked for leaders sometime in our career where it's your, you're like, they take all the credit for everything that's been done. It's all about them when really... It should be all about the team and all about the people on the team. The other skill that I think is really important besides approachability and an understanding how to um, set a vision with a group is this idea of being open-minded and flexible. If people think early on you're open to ideas, then you're going to get more folks coming to you than if they think you're closed-minded and it's your way or the highway. So as a new manager, be open to conversation. Be open to welcoming suggestions and don't have all the answers. And even if you have all the answers, don't say you have all the answers, right? Right. Show that you're open to learn. And again, there's so much to learn becoming a new manager that owning that at the start, I think is brilliant. And I love what you gave here too, Trish. These are all things that new managers can do immediately. There's no training that's really required with right. that. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's like go in with this attitude that the people you're leading is most important. Right. Uh, the other one that, that I see sometimes is hit or miss with people it, when they get into these roles is the authenticity of who they are. They get scared to be vulnerable. They get they they hesitate um, sharing about themselves. 
And what they're missing out on is people want to know their leaders are human. They want to know that you have a dog, you feed the dog, you walk the dog, you raise children, you take a shower like everybody else. And so, you know, not putting yourself on some pedestal, but recognizing that you're joining a, a group of people that you're working with, right? The other pet peeve of mine is when people say, my staff, my assistant, uh, so this my word bugs me. And the reason why is because I like to think of the idea of a we culture rather than a me culture. And so, okay. I like this. yeah, when you're thinking about a we culture, it means we're doing this together. We're better together. We're collaborating. We have a teamness about us versus this is my team. See, it just, it sends a different image when you yeah. talk about it. So language choice is really important. Yeah, it changes the investment. It shows that I'm just as invested in this as you are. Right. Uh, and that we're all pulling in the same direction. I, I love that that we approach makes so much sense. And again, it's something that can be done immediately. That's yeah. a mindset shift. Looking at those skill gaps, are there any skills then that we could look at long-term that can either be acquired over time or we can focus on to train our new managers to learn over time? Well, there's one that's a huge skill gap that I see most often. And that is the idea of critical thinking and critical thinking. It is a skill that can be taught and I call it the syllabus syndrome. So go with me for a minute. Okay. Our, our kids grow up in a world where they're given a syllabus that tells them if you want an A, this is what you need to do to get an A. So we teach them from grade one to 12 and even in post-secondary education, here's what you got to do if you want to be successful. And so it, we have created this in our educational system where people think like a syllabus. So when you've got employees that walk in and say, so tell me what I need to do to get the highest performance rating. Well, they're in this syllabus mindset versus how can I be most effective? How can I be the best contributor I can be? What is it that I need to be doing to add value? So those are different questions than the focus on how can I get the highest performance rating? Like, what do I need to do? So it takes people from being robotic thinkers to critical thinkers, which in critical thinking, what we see is people explore, they discover, they look at alternatives, they look at options um, in their decision-making process, they're weighing uh, what might work best, they're looking at different angles versus just following a straight task list and then saying, okay, I'm done with that, what's next? So I think spending time early with individual contributors teaching the skill of critical thinking will help them be better people leaders down the road. And then once they're a people leader, taking that to a more advanced level of critical thinking to problem solving, strategy, and seeing how they're looking holistically at how they lead their section inside the corporate structure. So those to me are, those are so essential. And I just don't think we spend a lot of time on that, but yet I hear leaders telling me, Gosh, if my people would just think. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And that falls outside of the box of the 
soft skills of time management or providing yeah. feedback. Again, those are those are certainly important in this process, but the critical thinking piece is one that doesn't get talked about as much and, and can make such a big difference yeah. in being a people leader because again, it's back to that mindset approach, but it's a longer form and it's creating just that contributing as opposed to a task-based yeah. approach. Yeah, and, and see, in critical thinking, we start to integrate concepts. We start to integrate, oh, so this decision I make today is going to impact section B and section C and I need to let them know. So now my communication skills are improved. Now people feel more informed. I mean, you start to really see the ripple effect of yes. someone who is a critical thinker. Oh, that's essential. I've always encouraged with my team members, understand where your work goes. Yeah. Understand how it functions, right? Because there, that will change your communication method when you know, okay, when I make this decision, when I do X, Y and Z are going to happen as a result. There's a lot to win. Yeah, you are spot on. And here's the thing. When you're a new manager, that first 90 days, you need to go meet with all the other managers that your business section, your department is going to interact with. And that's an interview. Tell me how we work with you. Tell me what has worked well in the past. Tell me what some of your challenges are. How could we be better um, customer focused on what you all do? And how do we, how should we interact more effectively together? But that set of questions and you're interviewing all the managers that you relate with yep. now, all of a sudden, guess what they're thinking? Wow, they put the right person in that, in that spot. Uh, but I don't see it happening as often. I, I see us getting new managers in there. They just start getting into the task. But those first 90 days should really be formulating how they want to lead that group. Yeah, instead of getting into the task, get into the people. Yeah. Get the feedback piece of it. Get the people on board. That's right. And then you figure out how to move forward. I think that's great. Now, Trish, are you seeing a harder transition from the individual contributor to management role or management to C-suite? I think both those are big jumps, but what yeah. have you seen as, as more challenging? Well, I think, I think the most challenging is individual contributor to manager for all of the reasons we've discussed. I just don't think people are preparing for that. I think they take that for more money. I think they might go for a, a manager position because they think, it may have more spotlight on them. Sure. They may have more authority, more power. And those are for me all the wrong reasons. Like I think we go to be people leaders to help other people be the best versions of themselves, which means, yeah, of course, that's nice to make more money as a manager because now you've got a lot more work to do if you think about it because you have other people's careers in your hand. And one of the things I always say, Josh, and I really want it to take, but I think leading people is a gift and it should be treated as a gift because now these folks that are in your care, how you treat them, how you lead them has lasting impact. Yeah, that's the word. You're impacting their lives. You're impacting their career. Yeah. Um, there's an exercise that I've been through before and that I've done before in other workshops where I have people write down on an index card um, somebody who has had a positive influence in your life and then go around and have them share that. Now, the end of that exercise is when I say, wouldn't it be nice if 10 years from now, 
your name showed up on someone else's index card. So think about it as the long game. Like, how are you, beginning with the end in mind, how do you want to be thought of? How do you want to be remembered? Because your actions on a daily basis are writing that story, whether you're going to end up on an index card or not, right? Um, And I think that's really, really important. So I think it's harder to go from individual contributor to manager. Now, I say that, I'm not saying it's easy to go from manager to C-suite because there is a higher level of expectation when you hit the C-suite. Now you need to think holistically about the company. Now you can't have department thinking. You can't have this kind of uh, segmented ideals around what needs to happen. Now you're at a place where you're modeling for everyone what leadership should look like, what it should feel like, what it should sound like. So there's an extra layer of responsibility when you get to the C-suite. So that's why I think we have to have also preparation for that next level. Managers who move directly into the C-suite without any kind of forethought whatsoever derail pretty early. And this is one of my favorite skills or core competencies I think someone has to have if they go from manager to C-suite, it's composure. Because it's in the C-suite where everything hits and it always seems urgent. And it always seems, whether you've got political pressure, whether you've got media pressure, whatever might be happening at that moment, or, or let's say the board of directors pressure, you know, uh, whatever governance structure you're operating from within, in the C-suite, there is certainly a higher level of uh, visibility, of influence, and of power. And so how you handle that, to me, with your composure is critical. When, you know, I always say in human resources, if nobody's dying, then let's sit down and let's breathe and let's talk about it. Um, You know, I can't make up the stories uh, that I could tell you from my career in human resources uh, because they're funny at times. They're sad at times. You know, if we took the human out of human resources, it would be an easy job, but the human (laughs) part makes it messy. Unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And which, which is why I love it too. So in the C-suite, we really have to think about how we show up. I mean, I'm talking our presence in the C-suite, you know, how do I, how do I walk into the boardroom? How do I uh, show myself on a, a Zoom meeting? How do I present my concepts, my ideas, my thoughts? All of those things are a part of that composure piece. I know executives that I have coached that have derailed in their careers because they get defensive, they get argumentative, they, um, you know, they use language that's not thoughtful. So in all those pieces, if they had been trained on how to be a C-suite executive, I think they would have made it and been more effective, you know, but I don't know how much time we're spending on our middle managers in that space. To get them ready, right? And and that's being intentional. That's understanding what composure is. Uh, I think it's so interesting as you were explaining that jump up to the C-suite. 
you no longer can manage up. You are up. You're up there. So, Trish, as we're looking at upskilling and setting our future leadership teams up for those new levels, what says, okay, we've got success? You you mentioned earlier that at Nashville Electric Service, you've got a program to really help bring those emerging leaders along. How do you measure success there? So the most important thing for me to see if something's working is can I see it in behavior? I always say you cannot manage personality. You have to manage behavior uh, because behavior is, is what people are experiencing, right? So success is... Are those emerging leaders that took that program for six months, are they now applying what they learn? And one of the things that is a big, I think it shocks the performance management system, is when managers actually say to employees, so tell me how I'm doing. So now we've got a reverse conversation going where managers actually ask, hey, what can I be doing better? How could I support you more effectively? What can I be doing to increase our team's effectiveness? And now we're asking those questions of our downline. It's it's almost like an informal 360, right? right. Um, but we don't put those things naturally into our infrastructure. But how powerful would it be if we were modeling for employees, look, I am evaluating your performance and I am asking you to give me feedback on my performance. And so it creates a different dynamic where people are actually connecting on a higher level. You know, that's great. Uh, it's, it's an amazing way to measure success. Yeah, there's no metric necessarily, but it's feedback and that, that's as valuable as anything else you're going to get. Yeah. Well, and you know, you can do your surveys that, that people do and, and you can, and I, now I do like to do this. Uh, so let's say our emerging leaders graduate from their program about six months later, we'll send a survey to their supervisors to say, have you noticed anything differently and what has been positive impact on that learning? Cause to me, that takes it to a higher level of, of learning and, and display of application. That is so good. I like that approach. And that's a great way to see, hey, we, we've invested in our leaders to help improve them. Is it working? Is it working? You're asking that. Yeah. And that's back to that idea of feedback that we started with as new managers. Ask for feedback. It still applies even deep into leadership. It absolutely does. And you know, the other thing I don't know that we spend enough time doing either as um, company leaders is teaching people how to receive feedback. So yes, we teach managers how to give it. But what about teaching managers how to receive it? Because, you know, um, if we receive feedback, we're saying thank you. We treat it as a gift. We understand that people are sharing their perspective. And that takes courage a lot of times, you know. That takes guts for people to share uh, their, their feedback with their upline. And so when that happens, how do we treat that? Do we write it off? Do we get defensive? Or do we say thank you for that? That thank you for taking the time to tell me your insights, and that's all we have to say. But that does show appreciation to to people being thoughtful. Yeah, it takes work on both sides. Yeah. That's not easy for the leader to hear. Hey, I'm not doing a great job. Right, and to actually do something about it too on the back end. Right, and don't ask if you don't want to hear. That's right, the oh, other yeah. thing. Yeah, that's some great advice. 
Now, Trish, what I love in these conversations is giving my audience something they can do differently as a result of listening to our conversation. So if you had to give one thing for our HR teams to do differently in developing their future leaders, what would it be? Yeah, so I've thought about that. And one is, first of all, let's develop the right people. So not everybody should be in the management track. So let's make sure we've got people who are interested in being people leaders that we're developing them. One of the things that I think we in HR tend to sometimes do is we just think everybody should go through everything we offer. You know, everything we present is valuable to every person in the company. And and let's be a little bit more deliberate about where we spend our time and what we spend our time doing with our folks, right? So, you know, there is there is still an opportunity, and this is HR speak, so I apologize, but it's called the dual career path. And that is, you know, we have technical experts that would like to stay technical experts, but they would also like to know that they could earn more money staying technical and not be people leaders. And so we and and companies have to figure out how it's not just being in management that you make money. We've got to also figure out on a technical career path of how people could advance technically and, and, and have more financial resources as they grow technically. And then you're going to start to see the right people come over to people leadership who really want to do it, not the ones who just want to make more money, right? Yeah. So I think we have to think a little differently about in HR, how we offer what and to whom and when. That's so good, right? Just because you're the most qualified or the most experienced doesn't mean you're the right person to be that next leader. Right. And the other part about human resources is I would like to see human resources not be the dumping ground for everybody who can't make it in any other part of the company. So uh, if, if, cause I, I see it. So if um, so-and-so uh, needs to be reassigned cause they're just not working out, well, send them to HR. They've got something for them to do. Right. And HR needs to really say, wait a minute, we are, um, certified professionals. I believe the HR community really needs to push their HR professionals to get certified, to be, to validate their credentials, because the more that we are seen as experts in that space, the less we're that, oh, just send them to HR. Uh, That is so good. That's great feedback there. Thank you for that, Trish. Now, again, we're here with Dr. Trish Holliday, Vice President of Human Resources and Corporate Services at Nashville Electric Service. Trish, speaking of the HR community, what's something you've seen out of the HR community over this past year? We're having this conversation at the end of 2023 that you're really proud of. What's been a win for the HR community in the last year? I think globally, it's a global win that we have a renewed energy on culture. So when when I think about, for us, as the keepers of culture in human resources, because we're the people of the business. So if we're the heart and soul and we we have our pulse on, on the workforce and how people are engaged or not engaged and what we need to be doing, that idea of creating 
a place where people feel like they belong, where they feel like they're valued. I'm really excited about our renewed energy around that. And when I think about all the work we're doing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, I don't want people to get tired of hearing those three words. One of the things we've done at National Electric Service is we have changed the language to be a culture of civility, a culture of belonging. Um, because here's the thing, words matter. And if people um, hear diversity, equity, inclusion, and we don't define it, then they go straight to their own experience of what that is. So it's really important for us in human resources to step up and for our own companies, make sure the language matches what we're trying to do, right? And at National Electric Service, for instance, we are really focused on a culture of civility, which includes respecting differences, mutual respect, uh, making sure we understand how to interact with each other when there's tension and conflict. So how do you and I on a daily basis coexist if we have religious differences, political differences, if we look different, if we have different backgrounds, where does civility bring us together? And now it's the intersection of connection. And it is such a powerful image, you know, when you can take words and help people reframe what you're trying to do. Yeah, create connection through civility. I love that. And that idea that words matter, that goes back to what we had talked about even as leaders. Yeah. Words matter. Words matter. Um, and you really have to be intentional with what you're setting out there. That's that's brilliant. The other thing that I think is important um, that I've seen in the HR community in 2023 is a uh, kind of a booster shot to instilling values in the company. So bringing back this concept that organizational values show people how they are to act on a daily basis, how they're to conduct business. And more and more organizations now are re-looking at what are our values and rethinking, do we have the right core values in today's time? And I'm so I'm energized around this idea of core values and a, at the company level. I'm not talking about at the team level. I'm talking about, you know, the CEO and everybody else is aligned around this set of core values. And that's going to build your culture going forward. That's yeah, right. that, that is so exciting to watch, yeah. especially going into 2024 and seeing how companies use that. Right. I love that's that. That's great. Yeah. Again, here with Dr. Trish Holiday, Vice President of Human Resources and Corporate Services at Nashville Electric Service. Trish, as we're having this conversation as part of Learning and Development Week on HR Daily Advisor, what's something you've learned about yourself over the past few years that you feel has made you a better leader? This, when I saw this question, um, this one sat me down to really think about uh, because I, I started thinking, you know what I've learned the most is how important it is for me to take care of myself. All right. Uh, and it brought me back to my ministry days that it's hard for me to feed others or take care of others or offer guidance and help to others if, if I'm not all right myself, if I haven't taken care of myself. So one, <clears throat> I've learned the importance of being that lifelong learner. I've got to take care of myself so that my family and my work life have a sense of order and balance. 
but when I'm not, when I'm not uh, at my best, then my work's not at my best. So, and, and I can't help people be their best, so to speak. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's been a big aha for me to say, wow, because I tend to give, give, give. And then at the end, it's like, oh my goodness, I haven't given myself anything, right? To help me. I haven't made sure I haven't restful. I might, I might have taken on too many projects um, and not said, no, I can't. Right. My capacity's full. Hardest word. Yeah, right. And, and so learning to do that has been critical for my effectiveness in my role. Um, and that, that's been really important. And then the other piece is I'm really good at diagnosing a problem and then being able to quickly think, okay, this is the direction we need to go. And so what else I've learned uh, recently is how important it is for me to pause and make sure I bring other people into that discussion so that I'm gaining other perspectives, other insights, other experience-based uh, uh, ideas that may be different than my own. So before I make that, that final decision, people have had a chance to share what they think. And that has paid off tenfold in, a, in getting buy-in and people championing the decision because they had input. So, so making sure that while, yeah, I can tell you what we need to do right now, stopping and recognizing other people's voice is critical to that final decision. Mm -hmm. That's that composure, taking a pause and having right. that, that we mentality that you talked about yes. earlier. Yes. Trish, thank you for digging into that question as well. And it means a lot that, again, you really sat down with that one and gave some great feedback. So I do appreciate that. Now, one thing I love doing as part of this podcast is paying it forward, giving some advice that our, our audience can take away. Do you have a piece of professional advice that you've received in your past that you've carried through your career that's, that you've leaned on to find success that you could pay forward to our audience of human resources and recruiting professionals? I do. And it has been game changing for me. And here, here it is. I'll share it. I'm going to pay it forward. Uh, so I know people want to always think about their career advancement. What's my next position? What am I, where, where can I go? What's my path look forward? And what happens a lot of times we get so focused on what our next role is that we don't do our current role to its best. And so my advice is be amazing in your current role. Be the best you can be. Be extraordinary in what you are currently doing. And I guarantee you, doors will open. Opportunities will come because your influence will grow the better you are in your current role. And that means future opportunities will come to you with you not having to beg for them. And, and it has been a game changer for me to always be the best I can be in what I was hired to do. And then those future roles start to just come because you meet more people, you're brought to the table differently, you're added to different committees, your exposure is different, your visibility is, is greater. And so the more people know you and see your work, trust that those opportunities are come will come to you versus always trying to, to 
think about how can I get there? How can I get there? And how can I get there? And you're not doing your own job great. Right. You're not fully committed at that point. You don't have 10 toes in. Right. One foot is out the door. Yep. That's brilliant. Thank you for that, Trish. So again, we're here with Dr. Trish Holliday, Vice President of Human Resources at Corporate Services at Nashville Electric Service. Trish, do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience? Anything you're excited about? Uh, at the very least, give our audience somewhere they can get in touch with you if they want to learn more after this podcast. Yes, please um, contact me if you're interested in talking more about civility and belonging. We're doing some amazing things uh, in that space. This whole idea of how to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and bringing in new language to that to get people energized around it. So uh, just know um, I would love to talk further about that if you're interested. You can reach me at tholiday at nespower.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. All right, brilliant. And we will provide links to your LinkedIn through our site post on hrdailyadvisor.com as well. So make that nice and easy for our audience out there. But thank you for that, Trish. Now, Trish, one last question before I let you go. And this is a bonus question that I ask all of our guests. And it's built around motivation. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, you wake up, your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? I love this question. Uh, gets me start. What gets me started in the day is one, people and the love for people and getting to be in relationship with so many different people and actually making a difference in human resources and, and creating this employee experience that I want people to just have an amazing time. That's perfect. That's that central theme of people that brought you in in the yeah. first place. Yeah. It still works to this day. Well, that's fantastic. So again, Dr. Trish Holliday, Vice President of Human Resources and Corporate Services at Nashville Electric Service. Trish, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for sharing such great insight. It was great connecting with you, sharing your story, and I hope we can keep this conversation going in the future. Me too. Absolutely. Thank you. It was all my right. honor. Yeah. Well, pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Trish. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.